Hello, Velo News listeners. This is Dan Cavallari, tech editor at Velo News, coming at you with another Velo News tech podcast. And in in recent days, we have uh, had a bit of a controversy brewing in Strava land. Uh, the the big news last week was that Strava uh, is now putting leaderboards and the route builder and some other features um, as a subscription feature, which means you free users are not going to get it anymore. And, you know, there was a big blow up on social media about whether or not this was a good idea, if Strava was going to lose uh, its loyal members. Uh, I personally support them. Uh, you know, going charging for this because it is a, a pretty incredible service they offer. There are obviously differing opinions out there. But what I wanted to talk about today was a little bit about why Strava is such a big deal, uh, first of all, and, and why this, this has caused such a, a hubbub. Because Strava is essentially one of those tools that we all use when we're riding. But some people use it uh, a little differently than, than your average user. So today on the line, I've got uh, Phil Guyman joining me. Phil, thanks for joining me. How are you? Are we doing good? I use it exactly like you. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I don't know about exactly like me. I'm, uh, I'm, I think our, our talent levels might be a little different. Um, <laughs> the only controversy I know of is when people leave it on on the roof of their car. I do that all the time. That's, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I get all my KOMs. <laughs> um, Phil, you know, you've you're an interesting case here. It's funny. I just I, I googled your name this morning just because, and it's funny that Google calls you an American blogger, which I think is really a weird distillation given your your history as a professional bicycle racer and that you've yeah you know you've raced in some of the been biggest a while since I blogged too. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations on your title of American blogger. <laughs> well, yeah, that's funny because part of me is like I, I don't like calling myself a former professional cyclist. I don't like defining, my, defining myself as something I used to be. Right, right. Um, right. Blogger is worse because that was before <laughs> I was racing. Uh, I don't know what I am now, so yeah. I, I can't argue with it. Uh, so current existential crisis, Phil Guyman. Uh, yeah, with, fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's me too, man. Um, but Phil, you you um, you've made a good career after your career, um, basically uh, as Strava is one of your major tools for that. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about what you do with your pursuit of KOMs um, and and how you've sort of leveraged that uh, in in terms of uh, fundraising for various uh, causes. Um, but before we get into that, let's get into the nuts and bolts of Strava um, because you you know you do use it quite a lot. Um, what what is it what is it in terms of your daily life about Strava that that is valuable to you? How how do you use it that that makes it a valuable tool? I mean, essentially, it's it it started out. It, it's I think they were always trying to be a social media platform, um, and it sort of started out on these these leaderboards and segments and kind of a friendly, not so friendly competition. Uh, I think their concept was was a friendly competition that you can do. Uh, outside of a bike race for free, essentially, um, with on your own kind of time and schedule. Um, I, I feel like that was sort of what grew it. And then and then people started finding other uses for it. Um, and I kind of came in later in that, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, pros don't really, didn't mess with Strava back in my day. Yeah, which, by the way, wasn't that long ago. Um, it was right, like, yeah, it's changed a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so at what point after your retirement did you realize that this was going to play such a big role in what you were doing? None of that was on purpose. When I stopped when I stopped racing, I kind of like I was supposed to take a, an agent job um and I kind of announced half like towards the end of 2016 that I was I was going to be done racing and and get a job job. Um and then 
and it ends up, you know, it's August. I'm still employed by my team through the end of the year uh, with nothing to do. So I wasn't going to start a new job and, and essentially moonlight. Um, so I just started playing around on Strava in Los Angeles, which is like definitely one of the bigger Strava communities. Um, and at the time, there was a guy who'd been uh, who'd been caught for EPO use and was under investigation for selling EPO, who they who had turned out he had like every KOM in Los Angeles under like a weird fake name. Um, and I went and got those just because it was entertaining and it was just like something to do. The thing is, it's it's a fun what what I really like about Strava is it's 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 a chance to push yourself um, and like test yourself and and set goals and you know I could just sneak out of my house and go for a KOM ten minutes away mm-hmm. um, and and it's a workout it ends up being a better workout I say this as I was a pro for eight years um, I can squeeze more out when I'm going for a KOM than I could when my coach told me to do three by whatevers yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's that's pretty common for a lot of folks a little comp- competitive edge. Mm-hmm. Um, can get you there. So, so I started doing that and kind of by the end of that, like my Strava account was getting a lot of engagement and I got a lot of followers and, you know, I had followers on their platforms, but, but Strava is, is it's, it's a cool kind of community and you can meet people through it and, and people like you're, I have more engagement there. I have fewer followers there on Instagram, but, but far more like kudos and comments per post or whatever. Like the, it's, it's a far more active community. Um, to, to hang out with. So I kind of started playing with that and a couple sponsors noticed the, uh, the engagement or or brands noticed engagement and said, Hey, can we sponsor this? Um, and, and my answer was like, well, I don't know what this is, but at the same time I was trying to sell, well, I'm still trying to sell the TV show in Hollywood. It's kind of like a cycling travel show. Um, so in the meantime I was like, well, why don't you sponsor this YouTube show that I'll make where I go for KOMs as kind of a context to, to explore a new place and see like, you know, if I go to Boulder, I'm, I'm going to tell you about Flagstaff. I'm going to go for the KOM, but the point is to like bitch about Boulder for half an hour. <laughs> <YouTube show. laughs> no material there at all. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I had to cut it down from seven hours of yeah. complaining <laughs> to a mere 12 minutes. Yeah, right, right. Um, but the, uh, so I started doing that and, and kind of it, it worked. Um, and it turns out like, you know, cycling team, professional cycling is, is a model founded on getting sponsors to pay for, the platform of pro cycling and competition. And I just kind of have like a weird niche end of that where my platform isn't to go to the tour de France. It's to go to, to your community and go to Mount Mitchell and go to Mount Washington and, and hang out with people and ride with them and stuff like that. Yeah. So you mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, you, you use Strava just the same way I do. And, and, you know, frankly for me, you know, my KOM list, you know, is, is short and it's usually sprints and things like that. Um, yours is, is pretty extensive. Um, and that's, but that's just one part of Strava. I mean, what else do you use it for aside from when you're going for KOMs? I mean, I know, I know how I use it, which is essentially to track my mileage, uh, to track routes that I've, I've, uh, ridden before. Um, and, and really just to see what my friends are doing. Um, what are some of the other key features for you outside of just chasing KOMs? I mean, I think, I think KOMs are kind of like, KOMs are kind of my excuse to engage with the platform. Um, and, and as, as a pro, I think initially people were like, oh, I want to see what a pro can do on my KOM. But for the most part, it's, it's just a really fun place to express yourself. If, if you're an athlete, um, it's a, you know, the same way, like on Instagram, you can express like, Hey, you know, here's me looking hot in a bikini at the beach. This is very hypothetical for both of us. Um, but that, Whereas now, like the the thing, you know, I'm not proud of my beach bod. I am <laughs> proud of 
I rode 100 miles and 11,000 feet of climbing and took these awesome pictures and had this great day and I want to share this with you and uh, and and you can go try it yourself and you know I that kind of thing that's 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 pretty much it's it's a place to express yourself. also it's a funny like I've I've definitely met tons of people there uh, like through the app now where I'll I'll run into someone on the road and he'll say his name. And I have no idea who that is. Right. And then he'll say his handle. And I'm like, oh, you're sixth on Mount Hollywood. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> commented on this and that. And I've commented on your thing. And we've yeah. kudos to each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a positive kind of place to interact with, with like-minded uh, bike dorks. Yeah. One of the things that's always struck me about the cycling world, uh, even among you know the, the pro races, is that the access that fans have to the pros is is so incredible, especially in Europe. I mean, you could, you go to those races. I mean, you know, the first time I think I met you in person was at, um, was at Perry Roubaix in 2016. And, you know, Maybe we don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I saw I gotta go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast. Um, um, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is that was my first time being at Roubaix and, and just the access to the riders there for the fans is just incredible. I mean, you're only feet away. And, and I think that, uh, American fans don't get that. Uh, in, in, because, you know, we don't have that many races here and we don't see the pros over here as much, but Strava sort of offers that kind of contact to, uh, to just the everyday fan. You know, I can, I can go out on a segment and see, oh, Hey, Phil Guyman's name is the top of the list here. I'm going to go for it. I mean, I'm not going to come any close, even close, but you know, it, it sort of sets up this, this connection where I'm like, oh man, I'm racing against the pros. And I think that's a really neat feature of Strava that kind of gets overlooked that you just mentioned was the social aspect of it, the kudos and, and, you know, meeting people and all that. Um, and I think for you, uh, I I wonder how much of that has, uh, affected your, your post-racing career and, and what you're doing now in terms of making those connections and, um, and sort of continuing what you're doing with, with charity. And can, can you talk a little bit about that and, and how the charity stuff has sort of started? Yeah. I mean the, so the whole, when I, when I started doing this whole like KOM mission thing, um, the idea it, you know, it's pro, pro cycling is, is oh, any sport, really any, anything competitive is just, it's very selfish. Um, and, and I think towards the end of, of my career as, you know, my at first you're you're pushing yourself to to save your career and save your job every five minutes. That was that was most of my career. And then on the on the rare occasions where I felt like I was secure, I would push myself. I'd have to find something like, you know, I here's this teammate I like a lot. I want to help him win. Um, something like that. But it, for the most part, like you put your arms up and it's like, cool, what the heck was that for? Um and so moving on, I kind of I kind of needed it to have a little more meaning than like look, I'm the best at this dumb thing. Like, especially at first there, there was, there was a contingent on Strava. Strava was, was still a little more competitive. I think a few years ago, people were on there to, to be the best and the, to be the big fish in the small pond. And I think part of, part of the success of my campaign was kind of like popping that bubble for a lot of folks and just being like, Hey, this isn't, this isn't a bike race, like knock it off. This is, this is a social media platform at some point, like all the KOMs are going to get to be a higher level. Um, so if that's what you're in it for, I think a lot of those people had to sort of move on. Um, but, but for me, but, but there was also a backlash of folks like, oh, you're going somewhere and you're just taking this, this hardworking guys, KOMs, you dick. Yeah. Uh, so having kind of a, a charity washing component to that, like, <laughs> that's not what I'm, I'm, I'm not here to get Joe Schmo's KOMs. I don't actually care about the KOMs. Unfortunately, it doesn't make me feel good. 
to win a digital crown. Right. Uh, but I'm actually just here to ride with you guys and, and share. And at some point, like after two years of, of showing on YouTube, like what a great place Asheville, North Carolina is. I think the guy who lost on the Mitchell KOM was like, okay, I get it. I see the point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that times every, every kind of town I go to. And it gives me an excuse to like, I'll, I'll go somewhere. I'll say, Hey, I'm, I'm doing an open ride tomorrow. Uh, meet me here. The, the price is whatever you can donate to no kid hungry. Um, and, and I'll do those and it's, you know, it's $5,000. They, they turn that into, uh, 50,000 meals. And it's like all of a sudden, like what I'm doing, you can argue it matters, which is really weird is after being a pro for all those years. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so that's definitely like kept me moving. How did you choose no kid hungry? We, we can plug them for sure. I mean, I feel like that's a worth, worthwhile, yeah. worthwhile cause. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. The, um, yeah, they, uh, it's really, a, I, I don't know when I, when I first got into, uh, I, I put on my event and when you, when you start a, a Fondo, you kind of have to have a charity tie in just to get, to get permits, to be honest. Um, that was a big part of it. So I was, I was kind of like, okay, what means something to me? Uh, my dad had passed of cancer then. So I, I, there was a cancer hospital nearby and, and we donated to them and it was, you know, it's, it's kind of, it, it's a, it's a sort of a complicated message and there's a weird, I, I just found like we got, we got plenty of donations and it was, and it was good, but a good friend of mine here, Jeff Mahan, uh, who lives in LA, he owns a bunch of restaurants and he, uh, basically volunteered to make cookies for, it was 5,000 cookies <laughs> the first year, um, at, you know, just at his cost for this event. And he had started this organization called chef cycle, which benefits no get hungry. Um, and that was kind of a, the idea was to get a bunch of celebrity chefs in and, and these guys, you know, you own restaurants, you're familiar with food waste, you're maybe selling a $400 dinner. And, and I think they've, it's, it's a strange thing for a lot of those guys and they sort of know what's happening. So they, they were looking for a way to give back. So they do this annual ride, uh, which of course was canceled this year. But, um, what's, what's fun about it is you get guys who like aren't super experienced at riding bikes and they're really suffering and it's 300, it's a hundred miles a day for three days. And, uh, and they just, you know, have all their platforms and, and have raised a lot of money. Um, and then through, through Jeff, I did a couple like school visits and I was like, okay, this is a it's a great organization. It's a very simple message. It's it's very easy to say, donate to this. So like, you know, my I I grew up with privilege. Um, I like I realize that now that I was, you know, my parents paid for my college, and and you see these these kids who like, you know, they they get dropped off at school with no breakfast, and uh, they're getting bad grades, and that's what that is. And like, you give them an apple and some peanut butter, and it's a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, it, it goes a long way to tackle the privilege and in, in a pretty succinct, uh, drive and, and easy message. And, and they've been super helpful and, and kind of fun to work with. So mm-hmm. that's, I just, I sort of saw like, here's, here's a place where I can have impact and I'm just going to push into it. Yeah. For what it's worth. Um, I, I actually used to be a, a high school teacher. Um, and I taught at a school that was, uh, it was, it was an at-risk population, which I don't think they use that term at risk anymore, but when I was teaching, it was an at-risk population. Um, Mm. and you're absolutely right. I mean, these kids, they, they didn't have anything and they would show up to school tired and hungry. Um, and the, the, the change you see in them when you put some food in them, is just incredible. And, and quite frankly, I mean, that should be a human right, as far as I'm concerned that you should be able to eat, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like um, I wish the parents could do it at home, you know, whatever's right. going on. Right. But, uh, 
but that's not the reality and a lot of people can't afford it or, or can't afford the time or the bandwidth or, right. um, and, and it ends up being like a, a pretty low cost thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I, I, having seen it firsthand, I mean, that one hits, hits kind of ho- close to home to me. So I, I, I hope people out there who are listening, um, if you if you don't follow Phil already on on Twitter and and Instagram and Strava, please do and and give a good look at uh, No Kid Hungry. Uh, it's very worthwhile, and and I, I cannot stress this enough. It makes such a huge difference. Um, but anyway, that that's kind of a tangent. Um, let's let's get back to the the um, the idea of Strava as a tool for what you're doing right now. Before you. Um, or I guess not even before you use Strava, but as you've been using Strava, have you looked at any of Strava's competitors uh, and, and tried any of those? Um, well, I mean, I guess to find competitor, there's, I don't think there's anyone really doing like the combination of what they do. So of course I've used training peaks. Um, they, they handle like the, the power analysis and the dorky stuff and the coach integration really well. Um, I, I mean other, like as far as a social media platform, I feel like Instagram is the biggest competitor just being, a place where you can also sort of express what bike ride you did. Um, I mean, what other competitors would you, would you sort of put in that category? Well, and that's, that's exactly my point is uh, <laughs> there aren't, there really aren't. I mean, I think right. the one that comes closest and I've never used it, so I really can't speak much to it is uh, Endomondo, uh, which is an Under Armour thing, I believe. Um, but I think Strava really combines a lot of different tools that, you know, we all commonly use. Uh, and it, that's what makes it such a unique package is that you get the ride tracking and you get the, the competition angle and you even get the social media integration. I mean, you can, you can upload photos and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, it's, it's kind of one-stop shopping, which I think is, is interesting. Um, so, you know, when this when this whole thing happened, when, you know, Strava said, hey, we're going to start charging for this, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, my my thinking was, well, geez, I, you know, as a as a as a writer for a magazine. Oh, boy, do I ever understand this move? Because, you know, for so long, people got this for free. Um, right. And so it's hard to go and say, OK, we we were doing this for free. Now we're going to charge you. Um, right. I guess my question to you is. um, as somebody who uses it not only as a social tool, but also as, you know, an integration into your prof- professional life. Do I put that in quotes? Professional life? <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Professional, <laughs> quote unquote, professional. Yeah. Life. I'm 34. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but talk a little bit about it. I mean, do you find it what they're asking us to pay now? Do you, do you mind paying it? I mean, is it, does it seem like it's a worthwhile investment for you? I mean, I, I have a lot of, for, for me, obviously it's a worthwhile investment. I, I, it's a, it's a fair, it's, it's a, one of the, the legs of the chair that I make a living on. Um, and, and I've had to pay for Instagram. I pay for that too. The, I, I think, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts about it, but for one, you know, if you've been going to a restaurant for eight years and it's like oh, every day, if I use a restaurant five days a week and one day the restaurant's like, yeah, you know, we're giving away a lot of free guacamole. We're going to go out of business if we give away this guacamole the choice is binary. Either if I, if I refuse to go back, I don't have the service anymore. Right, and right. if I pay for it, I, you know, I get my guacamole. It seems, it seems pretty simple to me, like that they're going, they're not going to exist if you don't pay for them. So that's kind of, that's kind of the logic. It's not even, it's not really like a moral question. It's like, is this worth anything? Right. And they're about to find out. They also, they, you know, they were doing, I, I, I don't know. I didn't fall, you know, I'm not, I'm not sponsored by Strava, but I've, I've watched what they've done and I've seen a lot of like evolution of, you know, 
pretty clunky ad integrations over the past couple of years that were like sort of in the way and sort of in your face and, and hard to think like, you know, as, as a, I also as a business person, like, do I buy, uh, you know, Strava challenges? Do I, do I push that? And it's just, I, it's hard to know what's going on and if it can be easily solved by the users just paying for it and not, um, and not getting beat up. The, the other thing is like, I grew up, in the Napster generation where I'm, I'm used to music being free. Just like it was, that was ingrained in me at puberty. That was a formative <laughs> thing right, where it's right. like, you don't pay for music. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you don't, and then the same, like when, you know, when the iPhones first started going out, like apps are free and then it's, and then, you know, you're getting, you're getting ads shoved into you and, uh, and, and all this stuff. And someone's like, no, I should be paying. I should have been paying for all of this forever. Um, and it was the internet's mistake of, of just giving it away for all those years, which, you know, I guess got us hooked. And now they're, they're going to get, have to get back into our wallets. Yeah. Um, someone on Twitter commented, sorry, someone on Twitter commented something that was, that I thought was well put. And he was like, if you, if you are a, if you're not paying, then you are their product. Right. You know, right. so essentially like if, if I'm not paying for Strava, then it, then the only way for Strava to exist is to go out and sell me mm-hmm. to whatever advertiser, whatever audience, and I don't necessarily like it that way mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In, in some cases. And you, and you think about like how every other platform is selling you. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you said too the Napster generation, I'm not that much older than you. Uh, I'm 38. And, you know, I, I was on the cusp of that as well. And, but before that, the Napster thing happened, you know, I would buy CDs and cassettes at the store and Napster came along and everything was free all of a sudden. But the thing with Napster was you never really knew what you were downloading. It was, it was either going to be, it was either going to be the song you wanted in some quality, or it was going to be some virus or some weird porn clip. You know, you didn't know what you were getting. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you're trying to download porn and you accidentally get music. Exactly. The big disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, this this brings up the, the point, and I think this is something that we're all now facing, uh, when it comes to internet, uh, web based content is that, yeah, you can you can get something for free out there, uh, but what is the quality like? Uh, you know, is the ultimate experience uh, anywhere near what you can get by simply paying for what you know is good? Right. Uh, and I think that's the weird thing that kind of gets mixed up in all this is, you know, I think people are upset and rightfully so that now they have to pay for something that they were getting for free. And I think that was a largely a mistake that everybody made when when the Internet came along. Right. Well, I mean, Netflix and Hulu were free for a while, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I remember Hulu being free. And then one day they had ads. And then one day it was fifteen dollars. And it was just like they got us all hooked by giving away for free. And then we were in. Uh, and then you got to make a decision at some point of, of do you pay it? Do you keep paying for it? Right. Um, which is, you know, I, I think I think Strava tried to never go that route. And then this is to me, this is kind of like a, a make or break mm-hmm. uh, existence move. Yeah. And I also think you made a good point about the, the experience. I mean, you know, ad based products uh, by by necessity, you know, you have to include ads in that because that's what's paying the bills. And that is serving the company that's buying the ads that's not serving the end user right Uh, so in a sense this is this is helping improve the service for you the customer Um, that's a hard pill to swallow when you got to cough up some money i get it Um, but at the same time you know if i'm getting a better product 
and it's it's not something I mind paying five dollars a month for. And let's be honest, I've paid I pay more than that for bad coffee, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the thing too. Yeah, the, the the scale of the money that they're asking is pretty reasonable. And, and the, the the what's funny is like the more upset you are by having to pay for it, the more that implies that you value it. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. <laughs> so it's, I'm like the people yelling at most. I'm just like, well, you're if if it really bothers you, then like you got five bucks for it. Like everyone has a bike. Um, awesome. But it's also, you know, I don't care if they don't, that's right. kind of just, that's the, that's the nature. Right. Well, what's crazy about all this to me is that the free version will still exist. Uh, right. it's just that you are not getting some of the features, um, among them, the leaderboards, uh, and the root builder. And I will say, I think the root builder is going to be huge. I think that's a great feature, but honestly, that to me, when I talk to people who use Strava, those leaderboards are just so, we love to we love to to kind of crap on them a little bit and say oh you know you're never going to get a KOM and you know there's right. cheaters everywhere blah 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 but you know when i get home from a ride and i see those little medals and the crowns it gets me stoked you know like i want to go out and ride more and try that segment again mm-hmm. um, and i think that's that's an important thing and i think the leaderboard is what really sets strava apart but can you talk a little bit about some of the problems you've experienced with the leaderboards um, in what way? Well, I mean, so you're, you're at the top of many of them. Uh, sure. So you see, you know, who you're competing against and a lot of those top tens, for example, I, I recently saw a top 10 on a segment that I did that was straight up a, a 12% grade. And I think the KOM was going 46 miles an hour up that thing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so what are some of the problems with the leaderboards that you have, you have seen? Well, I mean, it's not a perfect anything. Uh, nothing is. People are on Zwift saying they weigh 11 pounds and, and they're lapping you. And I think people are in the world tour shooting up EPO. And, uh, and on Strava, there are people who, who think it's an e-bike. Who, who, you know, it's, a, it's a bike ride. They have an e-bike. They don't know the difference. They put up a thing. They don't know that like – like I think people who've joined Strava recently don't really know the competitive genesis of, of Strava's growth. Um, and – and they think like, oh, I took 75 KOMs today. I got a bunch of angry comments. That's funny. And and I'm on their side. Yeah. <laughs> like, who, who cares? Yeah. I don't know. Right. Um, but, you know, at, at some point, take it down. But it's also like the, if, if you're butthurt about Strava KOMs, you're kind of doing it wrong. Right. I, that, was, that was kind of my point to begin with, just like oh, you guys think your KOMs are precious. Like, watch me put five minutes on you. And remember, like, I'm not good enough to be a pro anymore. Right. Like, that was that was always a thing. Like, I, I can rattle off 30 guys who would make my times look like shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's let's, let's just all be realistic with what we're doing here and enjoy a bike ride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, push yourself for yourself. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's that's sort of the the double edged sword of the, of the leaderboards, right? Like, you know, you want to you want to push yourself, and that's what largely Strava wants you to do, right? Is be able to to race yourself and race your friends mm-hmm. and and have that that fun. But like with anything else, right? Anything, anything, and cycling is a competitive sport. People who do it are naturally, you know, they want to best their their riding buddies. That's that's just racing, right? And so within that population, and this is sort of you know allegorical for the 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 cycling world in general and sports in general is there's always going to be people that take advantage of that. Uh, there's always going to be people that cheat. Uh, and you know, at some point, you know, you fight that of course, but you know, at some point you also need to be responsible for your own enjoyment of the sport. Um, especially if you're not competing at those top levels, right? If losing a KOM ruins your day, then your, your day was in jeopardy to begin with, you know, (laughs) a good analogy. Yesterday I was riding on the Pacific coast highway and, 
and, and this is kind of a tangent, but it's going to be cathartic. Um, and I'm, I'm as far to the right as it's safe. You know, there's people, yeah. there's surfers parking in the thing. And, and this woman had to, she didn't even have to slow down. She just had to steer around me. You know what I mean? There's two lanes. So she wasn't inconvenienced by time. She was inconvenienced by whatever calories are burned by twisting your arms right, right. 10 degrees. Yeah. Um, and she, and she stuck her head out the window and screamed, uh, to me and my friends, she was like, single file. <laughs> and she, and her, her face, and she's in a Range Rover. She's a $95,000 car. Yeah. She's on PCH. People fly from all over the world to do this drive on this perfect day. And she screams out, she sounded like an extra from Game of Thrones and like a rabble. <laughs> and I was like, I, I'm just laughing. I'm just like, how are you so miserable? You know what I mean? Like if this gets you angry, you're already on the baseline. You're already, you're in trouble. Right. Right. Um, and, and I think like if, if you're, if you're mad about losing a KOM, mm -hmm. you're, I lost my Everesting record four days after I got it. And I was kind of like, this is annoying because my video isn't edited yet, but like, <laughs> cool. You know what I mean? Like someone, some, like I was, I was just at home having a nice day and I was making some guy suffer in Utah yeah. and, and like the bar has been raised and like, how can I creatively get better? Or like, I'm not the best athlete in the world. Boo hoo. Yeah. I kind of knew that anyway. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I was going to ask you about the Eversting thing. You sort of started like a, a renaissance in Eversting recently. <laughs> so you, well, it, it was kind of there. I mean, like, th there's no there's no competition to be done. I think people are all getting sick of intervals. I couldn't leave. Normally, like my my YouTube show is I travel somewhere to to go for a KOM. That's right. off the table. Mm -hmm. um, so what can I do at home? Oh, I can do like a ridiculously silly idea of climbing up and down a hill all day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it was kind of like. It was it was bound to happen for for pros to get into it, and it ends up. I'm not gonna say it's fun, but uh, I, I a week uh, the, the day of, I was like, I never do this again, and now I'm kind of like, yeah, I'll do another one. I'll I'll try and I'll I'll not leave this record without a fight. Yeah, yeah. man, that's that's how I feel about 24 hour bike racing. I used to do those, and I'd be like. I am never doing that again. That was the dumbest thing I've ever done. And then like, you know, like a week or two would pass back. I got to sign up for that again. And yeah. Like, Man, what does that say about us as cyclists? We're dumb. Like, I think yeah. we're dumb. Yeah. No, no, doubt. Yeah. no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. And the Everesting thing is still happening. It's still sort of a big deal. Uh, I know Ruth Winder yesterday was, was attempting it. I don't know how it yeah, turned out, but it's really kind of cool. And, and yeah, I, I, I think still... she completed it and Kaylee didn't was what I saw. I could, I didn't, I didn't look super close. Yeah. Kaylee, Kaylee also has a quarantine beard. And I, I think if he had shaved that, he would have gotten at least another half a lap out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think so it was Keegan Swenson. I think that unseated you yeah, four days later. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So the the video is still unedited, huh? We don't we don't get. To uh, it's up now. Oh, okay. It's up, which is unedited when he when he took the record. Uh -huh. uh, so it's it's this, it's this frustrating thing that I have where like I'm trying to tell my story in order. Yeah. Of of these three videos that like I spent a bunch of time and money on, and and like I have I'm paying someone to to put together, and then in the meantime. I'm I'm also being dishonest by acting like I have the record when I don't. Right. <laughs> and like I'm gonna get to the video where I cry about losing the record. Just give me like a ten day right. <laughs> thing. Where like I've already filmed that, but I can't I can't be like I lost the record. Here's part three. Like, and also yeah. no one's gonna click watch the second fastest Everest. In right, time. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> my almost <laughs> my almost record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's all, all the videos. The, the it's I kind of put in the three parts and they're up now. Yeah. Um, and they're they're fun, but nice. But so, so yeah, we're moving on from this. Yeah, so the Eversting has has crested for you. You've Eversted the Eversting. Well, I'm gonna try it again. I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back. You know, it was my first time even doing it. Yeah. Was was getting the record. So it's now it's what have I learned? What can I improve? Mm -hmm. uh, 
and, and I have some, I have, I'm, I'm cooking some stuff, you know, yeah. but I'm also in no rush. I don't want to go, I don't, I don't want to go for the record and then, uh, have 10 more pros try it right. and go fast. And, you know, I mean, I want to let, I want to let this little Everesting phase go away and then see what the actual benchmark is. You know, if Keegan's time ends up being the fastest in six months, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I'm, I'm afraid of a, of a Lachlan Morton or a Joe Dombrowski or a, mm. a Ben King. I've been, I've been pressuring my old teammates into yeah, doing yeah. it. Texting. Yeah. yeah, those guys look spindly. <laughs> ben, yeah. ben rides. Ben, ben just does three hundred watt seven hour rides by himself for no reason. You know, Dude, that sounds just, so <laughs> awful. <laughs> that sounds so um, painful. Yeah, um, exactly. you know. Would you say, just out of curiosity, this is like to scratch my own itch here. So you've, I mean, you've done some of the toughest races in the world. How how did Everesting compare in terms of you know difficulty and and mental mental anguish? <laughs> I mean, every every ride that I do. You know, every KOM you go for, you're empty at the end. Yeah. So, but but this is that was the longest sustained effort I've ever done. I had I have the KOM for Mauna Kea, which is the longest climb in the world, and that was just under five hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was just as far as like how long you're maxing out. Um, that was that was the hardest, and it is it is interesting because like you have to set a pace that's very reasonable just to complete it. Mm-hmm. So the feeling in real time, the evolution of you know, 290 watts is not a big deal for me. Uh, going up an 11% climb, you have to like govern yourself to go that easy. Yeah. And then that same 290 watts is feels very different <laughs> seven hours later. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and just like being on track of that, like it's you know the, the pace that was. God, I hate going so slow. Yeah. To I'm gonna die if I have to do one more half of this. <laughs> Uh, was, that was a whole day, but it's, it ends up, it's, I don't know. It's just like a challenge that people haven't done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I never did a grand tour. I imagine that's hard, but everything is relative, you know, whatever, whatever you max yourself out on is you've maxed yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I know, I know you don't, you try not to take these seriously, but I, there's gotta be at least one KOM that you're particularly proud of, which, which one would you say oh. is, is your proudest KOM? Um, Mauna Kea is probably that one. Um, not, not really because it was like a, a difficult, okay. The, like physically it's, it's a sad to admit, but one of my, like probably my best day physically would be like my KOM up Mount Baldy, hmm. which is it. I, I think that was a better effort than I did as a pro ever. <laughs> it was, it was 400 watts for an hour yeah. up a thing by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mauna Kea is the one I go back to because it was sort of, it was new year's Eve. Um, the day uh, uh, it was 2016, so I announced my retirement. So it was my last day, technically, as a professional, mm-hmm. um, and I was still supposed to get a job and and get away from this sport. Um, but I I happened to be in Hawaii for for the holidays with my family, and I was like, cool, I'm you know I'm playing with Strava now. I'm going to go for this, and it was such a special ride that you know you start at the beach, you climb up to a wall of snow at 13,000 feet. I had my bike on my shoulder because there's all this dirt the last four miles and I'm running and I'm out of breath and I've, I never had to like stop and rest during a training ride before, but I was just like, I just need to sit on the curb for a while <laughs> and breathe because I'm at 13,000 feet and this yeah. is a weird day. Yeah. Um, I was also, I'd, I'd randomly met the the founder of Instagram at the time, Kevin Sistrom. And so we were doing like, we, we started together and I kind of went back down and finished with him. Um, and it was this weird, like, I, I just had this adventure. I just emptied myself. I just had this like really I think about that climb every day. I just like made a new friend for life and and had nothing to do with pro cycling. Um and you know, and tons of people are kudosing it and talking about it and it's you know, there's there's Reddit threads and I'm like, 
oh, there's a future for me in this sport that has nothing to do with this pro side that like has rejected me and just not been a fit for the last decade. Um, here's here's this other avenue. So it's kind of symbolic. Um, and 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 still it's like an emotional thing. I, I didn't make a video and I got to get back to do a video that was before I had a camera. Nice. Nice. When you when you were a pro, did you did you upload your uh, any of your races to Strava or was that kind of pre? No, not not at all. I had I had um, when I stopped racing, I uploaded all of my files. I like synced them all from Training Peaks into Strava. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it I just it just wasn't a thing. I think yeah. Strava at the time was like this is a place for dorky amateurs. Right, right. Sort of how we saw it. Yeah. Um, and and if I was, you know, if if my coach said, hey, do this, you know, twenty minute interval, if that you know, if that stopped eight feet short of the, the segment line, A, I would never know about it, but B, I would stop. I was doing my 20 minutes. Right. Um, whereas if I was a pro now and my coach said do three by 20, I would find three 20 minute hills. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> and I'd find 10 more watts is the thing because I'm going for something. I got to yeah. care. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so to close out the show here, uh, it, you know, the resident tech nerd at Velo News, I'm, you know, obsessed with gear and such. So for those people listening, um, let's talk a little bit just briefly about what are some of the, the must-have bits of gear uh, that you take with you to every single KOM attempt, uh, aside from Strava. I mean, you've got your, you know, your, okay. head, your head unit. Obviously, you need your bike. Um, what, are some of the, what are the key pieces of things that you bring to every ride? Yeah, the bike is useful. Um, I'm riding a, I got a factor. I've got the VAM for my KOMs. It's the just a super dorky light bike. Yeah. Um, I've got the. I I switched to tubeless a couple of years ago. Mavic came out with the the this their tubeless system, which I found like it it rolls nice, and I don't have to. I for the first couple of years of my KOM things, I would bring clinchers for when I'm training, and then like tubulars for when I go for the effort. And with the tubeless system, I'm like, no, nah, I'm just gonna have this one. And that makes life a lot easier, and and I think the performance is is very much comparable. Um, a couple of grams, you know, people overemphasize grams, and just in general, you see these the the British hill climbs and these guys on nine pound bikes, and I'm like, I know that ain't stiff. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like I know 400 watts. Like when I push down, my bike goes forward, um, and I'm willing to put two more pounds on it for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they they got spokes made of strings and stuff. I don't I don't know what's on <laughs> over there, but. Uh, yeah, so I've always been kind of in the, and that's that comes from the pros, I guess. Like yeah. you sort of know, um, you, you know that like weight is a pretty marginal part of of the KOM thing. Mm-hmm. Um, having the, the Wahoo is night and day as a computer. It's just it's just better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the live segments feature is honestly like if the caveat is you have to have more fitness than whoever you're trying to pass. But if you do, it makes it a no brainer to just to pace it. And you know, we're, you're 0.4 miles from the end and you're eight seconds up, like all that kind of stuff makes, makes a lot more fun. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks Phil for, for filling us in on, on everything. And, uh, for those of you listening, I'll, I'll post some links to, uh, to Phil's social media and also the, uh, some of the no kid hungry work that he's done, uh, so that you guys can, can donate if you are, uh, in a position to do so. Uh, but Phil, thanks for, thanks for filling us in today. It was nice to chat with you. No problem. Yeah, good to catch up, Dan. Yeah. And uh, for those of you listening, if you have questions about this podcast or any of the other podcasts in the Velo News atmosphere, please do feel free to email me at, uh, at dcavallari at velonews.com. You can also reach me on social media at Brown Tide Dan. And if you have suggestions for topics you'd like me to cover on the Velo News Tech Podcast, I would absolutely love to hear them. So feel free to reach out to me. Uh, once again, thanks, Phil. And to all of you listening, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.